0: Welcome to the show. We have a fantastic show today. Trish, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am well, Trish. It is the return of Workplace Movie Hall of Fame.
1: These are some of the best shows we ever do. And can I just tell you, I was just at an event last week and had two people specifically pull me aside to tell me how much they enjoy these episodes. So Shout out to all the fans of the Workplace Movie Hall of Fame. We even have a request for the next one from our friend Stacey Harris, who would like us to do the Shawshank Redemption. So we'll have to talk about that. But today we've got a different movie that we did review.
0: We are. We are going to be talking about Field of Dreams, a 1989 movie. Before we get to Field of Dreams, Trish, we must thank our friends and show sponsors Paychex. One of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. As you reevaluate your benefits offerings this fall, don't overlook the advantage of having the right 401k plan. Having the right plan not only can help with employee retention, but can truly serve as a talent magnet for your business. Discover how offering a 401k plan can play a vital role in keeping your business competitive and how you can find the plan for you and your employees. You can visit paychecks.com slash A-W-I-A and download Paychecks' free guide to 401k planning today. That's paychecks.com slash A-W-I-A. And thank you to our friends there. Trish, Field of Dreams, 1989. A couple of quick stats for you. Refresh your memory and the listener's memory. Movie came out in 1989, grossed $64 million, making it the 14th highest grossing film in America in that year. Number one, Trish. Any guess? Number one movie in America in 1989 by box office. 1989. It's hard to answer questions like that. I, I know. I graduated.
1: You know. No, I graduated in 1989. Okay, let me think. Let me think. Let's pass Dirty Dancing. So.
0: Did I give you a um, hint. Yeah, give me a hint. Superhero movie.
1: I don't. Bat Batman of some Batman. sort. Batman.
0: Yes, Batman. Is it Michael Keaton Batman? I think it's the original Batman movie from 1989. It was number one that (laughs) year. But uh, uh, Field of Dreams are great. Number 14 stars Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, and Burt Lancaster, making kind of one of his later in career appearances. And the movie, Trish, I I was surprised at this uh, for a couple of reasons, was nominated for three Oscars, including Best Picture – In the 1990 awards, it did not win and was also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Music, 1989's Field of Dreams. Again, uh, the synopsis real quick, farmer in Iowa played by Kevin Costner. His name is Ray Kinsella. He hears a voice out in his cornfield telling him famously, if you build it, he will come. He somehow decides that means build a baseball field in the middle of his cornfields. And where he's visited by the ghosts of shoeless Joe Jackson, legendary baseball player, as well as other uh, baseball players from from those that era and uh, hijinks ensue and on and on and on. So, Trish, first of all, what did you think of this movie? I hadn't seen it in years and years myself, but what are your thoughts?
1: You know, I hadn't seen it probably since about 1989, so I might have watched it one other time <laughs> since then, but it's been a very long time. Many of the movies, I'll say this, many of the movies we review after a long period of time like that do not hold up. I think it holds up. What did you think?
0: I I do I think it's it was a good watch. It was an entertaining. It's mercifully short, about an hour and thirty-nine minutes or something running time compared to some of the the newer movies that seem to go on forever. So it was wasn't a bad watch. I, I mentioned being surprised by the Oscar nomination. I did not upon rewatch think, wow, what a great movie. This 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 <laughs> is Oscar worthy. I didn't feel that. But right. uh, I it. yeah.
1: But you know what though? I think that again, you're looking at it from a lens of today versus the lens of nineteen eighty-nine. In nineteen eighty nine, there was nothing like it. It was really unique. The whole idea of you know, whether or not this guy is seeing ghosts or whether he's hallucinating or manifesting, who knows, right? So there was a little element of mystery to this movie. Um, Again, if it was up against things like Batman, uh, maybe you can see why it would be uh, a nominee, right?
0: Well, oddly enough, Kevin Kevin
1: Kevin Costner was a heartthrob back then. So just, he's got heartthrob factor.
0: Yeah, that was prime Kevin Costner. And the year it got nominated, I don't think was the most stellar year for movies. The actual winner that year of Best Picture, I wrote this down, was Driving Miss Daisy, which is also kind oh. of thought of as maybe one of, the, one of the worst Best Pictures to ever actually win Best Picture. So maybe not the strongest year ever for movies. But again, uh, a well-known movie. If you build it, we will come. Trying to kind of, the farmer bit of chasing a dream and trying to chase a dream for his late father, who perhaps didn't have the chance to chase his dreams. So just, this is a little bit different for us too. And workplace movie hall of fame is it's not really a movie about work uh, much, not, not right. hardly, honestly. So uh, for me, it's maybe slightly trying to explore for more ideas around motivation and leadership and maybe risk-taking is some of the things I thought about as I watched this movie. Uh, I don't know. What was one or two things you felt like, boy, that this kind of stood out to me?
1: Well, you know what? It's interesting because you're right. It's not a workplace movie, but I, even in the first like 30 to 30 to 45 minutes, I was finding quite a few things that I thought, wow, these are interesting choices. These characters are making that, that do have a little bit of a work element. So if you haven't seen it in a long time, kind of one of the first things I I jotted down that happens is that Kevin Costner's character decides that he wants to get away from his dad. He has this whole dad issue going on. And he decides to go to Berkeley, uh, which is far away from his dad as he could get. And then once he graduates, he decides that he's going to scrap all that and buy a farm in Iowa and become a farmer. So from a workplace perspective, though, I just I feel like that's still applicable, right? How many of us back in the in the 80s or even the early 90s, um, you know, who are now in human resources? Number one, we didn't probably think we were going into human resources, most people, right? Or business in general. And but how many of us went to college, A, just to get away from our parents, you know, if you went or B, went to college and got a degree in something you completely do not work in? Uh, yeah. You and I could both raise our hands for that. So I do think that's interesting because as someone, you and I now both have kids that are in college, um, my kids, I think, are not going to get away from me. I don't think that was it at all. So I just wonder how many people in the workplace today, right? But but how many of us went away to to get away from something instead of running towards something and then wound up getting a degree in something that we're not working in? So that was kind of right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, I guess that's a great point. I didn't think of it, but it's certainly a great point. As we see more and more, you kind of figure out your career path much later in life. We see lots more career changes, right? I think people are apt to change careers much more um, or change industries or change completely different kinds of jobs, uh, much more so maybe in the past where you kind of narrowly set down a path and stuck with it, uh, perhaps, and, and That happens less. Yeah. I I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Yeah. I kind of thought about it as, you know, he was. A guy sort of when we see this a lot in, in, in maybe early career folks, just really just trying to find himself, just trying to figure out where he fit, what type of job or type of industry or type of uh, a career made sense for him. And he was struggling a bit to find it. And then when he arrived at this farm and uh, uh, all of a sudden, you know, found his place, if you will, before all the the, the voices in his head start showing up right. to maybe to maybe <laughs> mess around with that with that plan.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I think too it, it makes me think about what dictates today what kids become. And, and I don't know that I have an answer for that, other than, you know, is it what they're learning in school? Is it what they're hearing through the media? Is it what you know, as parents or or those of us that have kids, are we telling our kids something different than what we heard? And so the interesting thing is instead of being Maybe a generation that that falls into or or runs away from something and falls into something is this generation? We'll say Gen Z, who's kind of currently in college and maybe recently out. Are they running towards something more than than prior generations? And and will that impact the jobs they have?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this movie's a fantasy, right? Of course, right. It's very. <laughs> it's, uh... We wouldn't call it science fiction or anything like that, but it's it's, it's you have to sort of suspend disbelief uh, while you watch this nice, movie, right? Healthy about
1: imagination. The,
0: right, about the ghost baseball team showing up in the, in the cornfield. And there's nothing more uh, fantastical, Trish, in this movie than the fact that the Kevin Costner character, the farmer, who when he explains to his wife, uh, who also lives there and works on the farm as well, his plan for tearing up a lot of his cornfield and building a baseball field, that she more or less goes along with it and she doesn't really put up too much of a stink. Right. And allows him to, uh, or allows him the permission or gives him the permission to chase this weird dream. Uh, and doesn't really seem to question it all that much. Uh, oddly enough, which I also thought was crazy, but I thought, <laughs> you know, I was trying to find some, some work in, in kind of, uh, uh, workplace parallels here, and I thought about this one. There's a scene where they're sitting at the at the farm table there, uh, going right. through, and she's going through the accounts, and she's got the ledger book out and uh, trying to figure out like what's going to happen to the farm if they more or less stop farming, which it seems like they uh, Kevin Costner does for most of the movie, right. and and does uh, chases this uh, baseball dream. And she says, oh, at some point, oh, well, we should be able to break even. We should just about be able to break even or something like that. And I thought to myself, hey, there's a good lesson here about like investments in kind of innovation or big bets or crazy ideas. Right. And the the need to always keep in mind, even even small organizations, even like ourselves, Trish, we've done mm-hmm. some investing lately in some some newer things, which maybe we'll talk about later on uh, if they they pan out or not. But uh You always should have something, whether it's 5% or 7% or 10% or even it's 1% if you're a really big organization for these crazy, risky, moonshot kinds of bets, right? Google was famous for this for a really, really long time, that you don't have to necessarily have a return on investment. You don't necessarily have to have a payoff. They're basically just, let's take a shot at X. And that could be money, that could be budget, or it could even be people's time. Again, Google, right, was the famous company for the, they used to be 10% time. I don't know if they even do that anymore. I haven't heard about that story in a long time, but it used to be you were allowed to spend 10% of your working time doing whatever you wanted and and chasing these big bets. So I thought there was a lesson there about if you're able to, right, keeping that budget or time or energy for chasing these crazy ideas.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that particular scene in that way. So you're right though. I think that you should have some amount of time um, put to these dreams to talk about how the wife too, you're, you're mentioning her not really pushing back very much back in that day. Women were still not really pushing back very much, I think on what their husbands wanted to do. So that was definitely still a time where even now, even now, I think women still probably acquiesce quite a bit to what their partner wants them to do so um but you're you're right 1989 that was certainly happening um I think too one thing I wrote down was should you stay focused on your dream and I think that goes along with what you're saying so I do think if you if you decide to go ahead and have whatever whether it's people resources whatever on some long shot idea right something super creative um then you should make sure that you're, you're having focus around that. If you're going to do it, do it right. Get, get people focused on it, get money focused on it, whatever, right. And do it right to actually see if it will work. So I do like that they had that commitment together once they decided, okay, we're going to do this field. And, yeah. uh, and, and then they went all in like, right. To make it perfect and beautiful and exactly like he had imagined it. So I did like that part
0: yeah he, he the field was beautiful it's still there too at the end of the show maybe i'll I'll give an update on the actual field of dreams the real place in iowa i have, been, iowa.
1: Yeah. I have okay. been i have run the bases on field of dreams it's absolutely stunning it looks just like in the movie
0: yeah so uh i think there's a couple of other things i teased out of this movie that come from uh some of the supporting characters in the movie so once the field, again, for folks who don't remember, once, the, once Kevin Costner builds the baseball field on the farmland, uh, the ghost baseball players begin to arrive. And the first one is Joe Jackson, who in baseball lore is famous, along with uh, 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 several other players on the 1919 Chicago White Sox, who were uh, basically found, I don't know if they went to a court of law or it was just baseball law, but anyway, they were found to have conspired to throw the World Series in 1919 to basically to fix the games, to lose the series on purpose, which they did. They lost to the Reds that year in 1919 and all the, of the players were on the White Sox team were banned for life from baseball. None of them ever got reinstated. Joe Jackson went to his grave claiming yeah, he may have accepted some money from the gamblers who were responsible for fixing the World Series, but he didn't. He played to his best ability during the actual games itself. He did not. He basically stole their money. That was a weird argument to make about your innocence that he he stole the money from the <laughs> gallers uh, and played well and, and the statistics show he played very well he hit very well he had he hit the only home run recorded in the entire series right. but it, i bring this up because once the the the, the, joe, the joe jackson character emerges from the cornfield he really kind of tells kevin Coster, once he got kicked out of baseball he lost the he, the job that he loved the thing that he loved doing the most and he never got over it he he went the rest of his life and he lived to be fairly older guy or right? he didn't, you know, he was probably, I don't know, in his late twenties when this all happened, right. When he got banned from baseball and he lived a long time after that, but he never got over it. And so I thought to myself, boy, well, I wonder if that's, you know, that the parallel to finding that job or that career, or that that vocation that you love so much that if indeed you were to lose a job or or a career and, and you know, often you don't ever get over it. Right. So there are sometimes I think there's lots of folks who have that one awesome job or that one awesome situation that they're in and it, maybe it ends or it doesn't work out as long as they want. And they never really get over it. And you can't, it's hard to get past it, you know, especially if what you transition to is not as good or as fun or as lucrative or you name it. Uh, So I thought that was kind of interesting too.
1: Yeah. And I think you're right. They, they highlighted a couple of the, the characters, the baseball players who maybe had gone on and done other jobs that were, were even maybe rewarding, but sort of that message is you can never go back. You can never go back once you're, you know, away from what it, what it is, whether good or bad. Right. So yeah, kind of a, I don't know. It makes you think about your own career when you watch something like this, if you're thinking of it along the lines of work in yeah. that way. So yeah. Are, are there times in your career where you were maybe, maybe living your best life and you don't realize it, you know, I, I've sort of honestly, and maybe it's having been, you know, cooped up for so long during this pandemic, we were all sort of away from each other, but I was thinking of that even now this fall, you know, conference season and events are kind of back to normal, if you will. Yeah. And but we're all suddenly like a decade older and it's different. Everyone's different, things are different. So, I don't know, do you do you sometimes not even realize when you're living in the magic moments of your life until all of a sudden it's 10 years later and you can't go back?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I I do think there's a there's a story there or a lesson there in thinking about, you know, certainly appreciating what you have when you have it. Uh, with the understanding, like you may not have it as as long as you'd expect to, or you'd care to, because all kinds of things can happen. Right. And we, we see that in in the workplace all the time, right. Whether it's organizations changing or changing strategies or, you know, or
1: or I was just going to say, Steve, I think too, it's a little bit of when you're in the workplace now, even us, right. Even just a small workplace, you're always thinking about what's next, right. We're always building toward what's next and So you're you're taking care of what delivering whatever it is you're making or services you're providing right in your job. You're always thinking about what's next. And I don't know that we take time to appreciate and enjoy and even celebrate when things really like if we get a big contract, you and I aren't like going out to dinner and having a a toast about. Right. So we don't really celebrate. And I think that's the point. Right. I think even in workplaces, if you're delivering a big product, if you're some big service provider, right, if you're working at Amazon and, you know, delivering more packages than ever before, I don't know that we take time to really let our employees celebrate and enjoy the the little day to day or week to week wins that we have. And we're always until all of a sudden, like I said, it's 10 years later. And when well, you're thinking like, wow, that was a great time, we really should have celebrated more. I don't think you ever I don't think you ever look back and think yeah, I'm really glad that we didn't celebrate more, honestly.
0: <laughs> well, right. That's the same thing, right? The, the, the joke I make about like, no one's like gets to that, their end of life and on their, on their deathbed and says things like, boy, I wish I would have eaten more salad, you know, right? like no one ever says that. Right. You, yeah. I,
1: I so, the, wish- but that's just it. The baseball players are coming back and that's what they're saying. They're saying, wow, we are so glad we get this sort of second shot at this. Right. We're going to, make these plays we're going to have these moments
0: so do you think though? so so with joe jackson and some of the other player characters in this movie and you Mm -hmm. hear from what they say and how they're acting in the scenes that they're in they really do kind of impress upon you that at least for them but playing baseball was that, that it, their, their apex, right. The, the highlight of yeah. their pinnacle, the perfect thing for them. And there was never going to be anything that was going to be as perfect uh, for them or provide as much fulfillment for them, at least in terms of of a career. Uh, do you think that's really true though? In sort of normal quote unquote life? Is there, are, are there perfect jobs for people, uh, you know, and, and if you, maybe we don't ever find them or maybe you do, or maybe you think you do, but is it, Or can you be really, really fulfilled and happy doing different jobs and different types of, of careers in your, in your, in your lifetime?
1: I think you can be really happy doing different jobs at different times of your life. But what I, what I worry with, and you know, for the record, I'm 52. So I'm sort of at that weird age where you you've got enough to look back on and hopefully enough ahead of you to kind of gauge, um, I'm fearful though, that we sort of, I had a conversation with someone recently about this. I'm fearful that we sort of look at our lives or other people's lives as like peaking much earlier and that everything else is never going to be as good. So whether it's a job or whether it's a time where you're in a relationship certain way or whatever, right? Uh, Or maybe it's, it was in the context of someone saying that a lot of people peak in high school and isn't that sad. Right. Or, or you peak in college maybe, and isn't that sad. And I'm thinking like, I I really hope that that's not the case. I hope that we each, as we go through our life can like, just take a second and appreciate what we're doing at work. Right. We're smart people. We're trying to do good work. Most, again, most people I would venture to say are trying to do a good job when they go to work every day, they're trying to be meaningful about it um, and, and have good friends and good relationships. Right. So I don't know. I think a movie like this kind of especially because of the sort of mystery around these these magical ghost baseball players um maybe that's what the message right that there's an appreciation we should have for our own lives and what we've what we've got in front of us and a little bit to kevin costner and his wife too right no one else could see this no one else could see these players their daughter right but yeah. this was sort of like maybe a message to them like you know what you need to you need to reevaluate what you're doing. Make sure that you're appreciating your own life.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I'd, I'd say the movie doesn't do a great job of sort of explaining who can see the ghost baseball players and who can't and why or why not. There, right. Maybe the this movie's based on a book. It's a novel called Shoeless Joe it was written about 8 or 10 years before the movie came out. Perhaps the book dives into a little bit more detail maybe. about how that all works, but um I do think in addition to though this idea of of keeping some time and space and energy for these big, crazy ideas and these big bets. The the last thing I remember uh, noting, anyway, as I watched the movie that I wrote down, was um, towards the end of the movie when the big, bad banker guy has shown up now to try to tell Kevin Costner and his wife that the bank's going to now take over the farm because they're not paying their mortgage because Kevin Costner's busy running around the baseball field and the other hijinks he's up to um, you know he the daughter uh, of the kevin costner and the the wife says oh don't worry about it it'll be fine people will come and they'll just pay you people will just come and want to see this field and be in this place and and they'll pay you which it turns out that they will right and the very very the departing scene, spoiler alert for a 35 year old movie, is, uh, you know, people starting to show up in their cars and these country yeah. roads to visit. For as long them, as uh, you can see. Yeah, and visit the baseball field on the farm. But my thought with this was hey, let's not forget that crazy ideas sometimes do pan out right? Wild things that maybe make no sense on the surface and maybe the smart people or the mature people or you name it, right? The experienced people, if you will, don't understand them to leave space in the organization for those ideas, right? This idea came from the little girl, it was like seven-year-old girl. The idea doesn't make any sense, but yet it turns out that she's right. So the, a, a really great idea doesn't necessarily have to make sense to you individually, or maybe everybody else in your little small circle that you walk around with, who thinks the way to you, that, that it could be a really good idea anyway. And it could come from any place. So giving people the space and the opportunity and the freedom and the safety, I guess I'd even say in a workplace mm-hmm. to share those crazy ideas, no matter who they are, right. Is a good lesson uh, as well. So uh, that was the kind of one other kind of work slash career slash business thought I had as I was watching this at least towards the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. You're right. I think you have to make room and and like I kind of say that it's a safe place for to encourage people to bring those those wild ideas. Every single great thing that we have in our life and use in our life was someone's crazy idea, really. So, you've got to leave that space. Um the last thing I wrote down was, you know, there's there's a lot of time in this movie where he's sort of outside whether it was looking at the cornfield before he built the baseball field or when he's got the baseball field and now he's looking at the field and nothing's happening yet. Or once all the baseball players arrive and he's back looking at the field, he spends a lot of time being quiet and just sort of thinking and looking. And I wrote down to, uh, from a workplace perspective to listen to your environment because that's also where some of your best ideas come from. So I think that when I think of my own work, your work, people we work with and partner with, we're often very busy, 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 right? And it's it's a badge of honor almost in our society to, you know, yes, and how are you doing? Well, I'm really busy. I think that this movie sort of tells you slow down, take some time to just sit, to just look around, to just see, because that's where your ideas are gonna come from. They're not gonna come when you're, you know, working 15-hour days, you know, six days a week, trying to get that project out the door, right? It, they're going to come in those quiet moments that you allow yourself time to just think so yeah but they i they just put that all throughout the movie right
0: yeah really important yeah was, i enjoyed watching this movie uh, more than i thought i would i i think because it, <laughs> it feels when you read the description of it and you think back on it even as someone who probably i, I would say most people listening to the show probably have seen this movie or at least heard of it Right. And it's just a I, I worth a rewatch worth uh, worth yeah. once again for a 35 year old movie, it, as you said, Trish I think it holds up pretty well. Um, not really an enjoyable watch and a good relaxing kind of a watch as well. So uh, I'd recommend it. Just one last thing, Trish, before we, I think we, we sign off. Quick updates on the Field of Dreams itself. You said you went out there to the actual field. I don't it's know what been either. a
1: number of years, but yes, I was in Iowa for a wedding, and it was close enough to where it was like, "Hey, should we go to Field of Dreams?" And it was so cool. I got the little baseball hat. I got to run the bases. It was really, really cool. Um, I don't know. I'd make it a destination, like unless well, I, I
0: think maybe you change but... your mind because I'm not sure you're totally aware of this development, and some listeners might be. So subsequently, to your visit to the Field yeah. of Dreams. In 2011, the, the site and the field there was purchased by someone named Denise Stillman and a group of investors with the goal of preserving the Field of Dreams site, as well as kind of making expanding upon it. Uh, and expand upon yeah. it, they did, Trish. They partnered with Major League Baseball to build an actual 8,000-seat field, at, which is adjacent to the movie site. And now MLB Baseball has had a couple of games on that field of dreams field the first one was in 2021 it featured the Yankees and the White Sox which which is kind of a callback to the movie and to the original book where the White Sox and the Chicago the, the Chicago Whites and the Yankees were the favorite teams of the author's father or Kevin Costner character father in uh, the movie so there's an actual field out there as well like a bigger field still a uh, bigger we, field oh yeah and and they call that also the field of dreams so uh, I guess once a summer, Major League Baseball will have a real game out there. They've done it twice now. And uh, so, yeah, it's still a thing. It's it's alive and well. The, the, the movie site is still there and you can go visit that and you can go check out what's happening there. So it's a good story. Feel good story, if you will, uh, for uh, what's happening at the Field of Dreams.
1: Well, I love that. You know what I heard? I heard they played a Major League game there. And in my head, I was thinking like, I remember what it looked like. And I'm thinking like, I don't know how that worked, but okay. Now that makes a much, much greater sense to me. So awesome.
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: How fun. All right, good
0: good stuff. So check out Field of Dreams and uh, let us know what you think. And Shawshank Redemption, apparently next on the list.
1: I don't know. We'll have to talk. I mean, I know you love to do the old time cruise movies, but I feel like here's why. So what uh, is it Mansfield where um Shawshank takes place is that right
0: I, I don't remember okay I, I believe you but
1: anyway Stacy Harris fellow analyst friend of the show I guess grew up in the town where Shawshank is located so yeah. and so not only is she a big fan of the movie she's like oh I want to do it with you guys and like we could so she could give us like the lowdown on the actual real place
0: all right so, I don't know maybe, well, maybe we'll we need maybe she can guest with us when we do that show so I uh, feel like yes it, Yes. Good, good stuff. Uh, thank you, Trish. Good to check back in with you. Talk about Field of Dreams. I am, for folks who are listening, can't see this. I am wearing baseball. Got my New York Mets shirt on, my Kansas City Royals hat. I'm fully garbed up for baseball. Uh, but uh, thanks to, uh, of course, our friends at Paychecks, of course, for all their support. Yeah, really, really yeah, good stuff.
1: Yeah, and I want to I tell you, we have a new fan of the show, a relatively new fan, uh, Toya Dal Valle, and she is the chief customer officer at Cornerstone. And let me tell you what what I want to do with her because she is a huge fan of the actual field of dreams and is going there soon. This is on her bucket list to go. So maybe after she goes, we do a, a work break with her and just get the update on the real field of dreams, like what's going on there. She can share some, some details.
0: I love it. Love it too. All right, Trish. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the HR Happy Hour Show. Uh, At Work in America show. All the shows on the network. Uh, New new shows coming, Trish. Check out Mervyn Denon. uh, Jack and Nick on on the play-by-play. Great, great stuff. All of it is at hrhappyhour.net. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. And bye for now.